What does NFL free agency mean for fantasy football? Yesterday we considered the biggest winners. Today we'll look at the biggest losers. The Fantasy Football Briefing is a daily football podcast delivering you news, opinions, and analysis from a fantasy football perspective. This is the Fantasy Football Briefing. March 23rd, and we're talking about the biggest losers from the NFL free agency period from a fantasy football perspective. I'm your host, John Maselli, here with my co-host, Jason Spencer. How are you doing today? I am losing my mind, John. We cannot leave this dang room. It is getting uh, difficult on the um, self-isolation period, but we're uh, bulldozing through it and uh, making podcasts every day, and that's part of the fun, I think. That's yeah. one thing that keeps the uh, the schedule in place. Keeps us going. That's right. Um, so we hope you're enjoying it. We'll dig in. Um, we're each going to give you three of our biggest losers from free agency, and uh, why don't you get us started off, Jason? Uh, sure. So the first loser I'll talk about is um, I picked Cam Newton as one of the biggest fantasy losers from free agency. At the moment, Cam Newton is still a member of the Panthers organization, but publicly the Panthers have come out and said that they are looking for a trade for him. Um, they said that the two mutually agreed to part ways, but Cam Newton on Twitter uh, didn't exactly agree with that. So it seems like there might be some bad blood between the two. So I don't envision Cam Newton ever playing in a Panthers jersey again which means they're going to have to find somewhere to trade him. And at the moment, I'm not even sure that they're going to find a trade partner. Um, I don't know if he will be a starting quarterback next year. And this is a guy who, not too long ago, people were making the argument should be the first overall pick in fantasy football. That's how good he was and how talented he is and how much he sort of changed the quarterback position in fantasy. And he's now, I mean, I feel like he's on a bit of a losing streak and this just, it keeps going. Um I don't envision him being a starting quarterback next year, and that's that's a very that is a fantasy MVP who now not so many years later is has totally is totally out of a job and will probably be a total non-factor. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think uh, I'll kind of stick along that trend of somebody who I think is going to be a non-factor for fantasy this year, and I think that's Devonte Freeman. Um, so I just took a look back at his numbers in 2015. He put up 320 points. In uh, 2016, right over 280. 2017, right over 200. In 2018 was the year he was injured for most of the season. And then last year he put up 160. And one thing that's noticeable there is there's a significant downward trend in his amount of fantasy points per year. But also, I think it's interesting to note that I think pretty much any of those seasons are fantasy-relevant seasons for, um, you know, whether that be as a running back one probably earlier on in 2015 and 2016 but now uh, trending more so to a low-end wide running back two um, or top high-end flex play. Now, he is currently not on a team. He was cut by the Falcons. I don't know if there's a team out there that is going to sign him to play as their starting running back. I just don't envision it at en- for any organization. And so that means that he likely becomes sort of one of these scat backs that doesn't really get the opportunity to be a serious option in fantasy because he's not going to get enough touches to be able to warrant serious consideration. And so going, so so he was already getting worse on the downward trend in terms of his fantasy production. And now it seems like it's just going to really be almost um, kind of like this is kind of the end for him in terms of his fantasy value, unless he goes to 
you know, Miami or something like that where they've already signed a running back and probably will, are going to look to draft one instead. So I don't think there's a lot of opportunities out there for him to come in and be a running back one uh, somewhere where he's going to get the bulk of the touches. So who do you think, who, who else do you think was a big loser from free agency? Sure. So I think, it, again, we're kind of sticking on that trend and it's honestly, it's kind of a sad trend of players who were once very good in fantasy and that period has kind of come to an end. And I, I always hate to see that, especially when it's players who I previously owned and really enjoyed watching. Um, and that falls in line with this next player, who is Julian Edelman. Now, Julian Edelman last year was the seventh best receiver in PPR. Um, and that was obviously, he benefit, benefited hugely from being um, Tom Brady's number one target. I mean, Tom Brady's number one target is going to be fantasy relevant. He really leaned on a lot of uh, high usage, high reception guy. And that's what kind of led him to be wide receiver seven. And I think he's going from a situation where he's Tom Brady, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's his number one target to being some quarterback. We don't know who's going to be starting in um, the, in New England next year. It could be a rookie. It could be Jared Stidham. could be Brian Hoyer. You could tell me any one of those three names. I would believe you. Um, he's going to be maybe their number one target, but he might not be. I mean, maybe it's Nikhil Harry, maybe it's someone else. We really don't know. That combined with the fact that Edelman's on the wrong side of 30, I think a player who was a top 10 receiver last year might be borderline flex play. And the only reason I would say that is because there's just no other targets on that team. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, So one guy that we've kind of mentioned um, earlier on when Melvin Gordon signed with the Broncos is Phillip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay uh, benefited from being the primary running back in Denver last year, and so we kind of have seen two different seasons from him, one in which he was fully splitting carries with Royce Freeman, and then last year when he took over a larger share of the backfield. Um, last year, he finished 16th in rushing attempts in a full season. Um, he finished 19th in PPR with 197 points, and he had over 1,000 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. And I think sometimes with Philip Lindsay, they think instantly like those are probably long rushing touchdowns, but actually five out of seven of those touchdowns came in the red zone. And so that prompted me to go back and look at 2018 when he was straight up sharing the um, backfield with Royce Freeman earlier on in the season through the first eight weeks. Um, and basically he was, they were, I think he averaged like a little over one additional carry per game and they were basically splitting the touches in the red zone with Freeman scoring more of the touchdowns um, through that point, through those first eight weeks, Lindsay was averaging 66 yards per game and he had three rushing touchdowns. I don't think I, I, so my point in bringing that up is with Melvin Gordon in Denver. Now, even if we were to see a straight up backfield split, like we saw then, I'm not sure that 66 yards per game and three touchdowns in eight weeks, rushing yards per game um, is, is good enough to sustain him as a fantasy as a fantasy running back and I, I and also bear in mind this was in his really really good season when he was averaging somewhat like something like five and a half yards per carry which is almost an unheard of and wasn't replicated last year and won't be replicated this year um, so I, I have a hard time seeing how a guy who was seemingly a really promising fantasy option both in redraft leagues and in dynasty leagues and in dynasty leagues primarily where people probably are relying on him um, it just seems like a huge blow to his fantasy value to where he is now going to be back to splitting the backfield and maybe even and likely even uh, playing second fiddle to Melvin Gordon, especially when it comes to his touches in the red zone. And so I think we'll see those touchdown numbers drop uh, this year, which is going to 
be a pretty serious blow to uh, Philip Lindsay's fantasy value. So it's unfortunate for dynasty owners, but um, yeah, hopefully we'll be giving you some ideas as to where you can look to replace him. And, you know, we have a rookie draft coming up where it might be a good idea to start targeting some rookie running backs um, once the draft is complete. So that's that's just a tidbit for dynasty uh, fantasy players. But go ahead, Jason. Who else are you thinking? Uh, sure. So I kind of cheated on this last one. And going off of you saying Philip Lindsay, I just said the entire Denver offense. I think um, it the addition of Melvin Gordon hurts the entire backfield, including Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon, I mean, obviously he's going to be a fantasy relevant player, but he's not going to be what he could have been on other teams. I think it totally gets rid of any value Royce Freeman might have had. And it almost totally gets rid of any value Philip Lindsay might have had. And also, I think it means that that team's going to lean on running the ball, especially if they stick with Drew Locke. They're a sophomore quarterback. And so I think that that, with the fact that they're going to be running the ball a lot, that hurts the receivers' values. And I mean, they don't have good receivers. I, I think Cortland Sutton is the best fantasy option on that team. I would even put him above Melvin Gordon, even though you could definitely argue that. Um, and I think that Sutton was in a situation where had the teams made the right moves, brought in another receiver or brought in someone like Jameis Winston, he would have jumped up to a really high tier wide receiver. But as things stand, he's the only legitimate pass catcher on that team. So he's going to get all the focus from the defense. And while an offseason of work with Drew Locke is definitely going to be helpful for him because he didn't have that last year, um, when he and Drew Locke were on the field together, he he actually took a step back from the beginning of the season when it was a different quarterback. Uh, outside of one game where he had four catches for 74 yards and two touchdowns, which really carried his performance, um, the rest of his performances were very much like four catches, 50 yards, uh, five catches, 40 yards. They weren't impressive, and I think that that's because, one, he was being targeted so heavily that other he's not a good enough player where if defenses try to take him away he can play through that like someone like Julio Jones where it doesn't even matter what you do so when defenses are taking him away in the passing game it it works it's effective and I think it we saw that last year and there's no one else to take focus away I think Noah Fant might step up but not well enough all right well I'm going to follow along on that trend and also do a bit of cheating and take an entire team and so mine is the Las Vegas Raiders um there was a lot of talk this offseason about them making some really big additions on the offensive side of the football. There was talk about Tom Brady. Uh, at least if you watch Dana White's Instagram live videos, you would have thought that that may have been a possibility. Um, but they really did almost nothing on the offensive side of the ball. And so I think you have these two primary options, or really three. You have Tyrell Williams, Josh Jacobs, and Darren Waller in the Raiders' offense who are actual fantasy options. And you hope that whatever they did would complement them uh, well. So whether that be bringing a new quarterback like Tom Brady, which they did not do, or uh, bringing another wide receiver option, but they didn't really do much of that. And we talked about Nelson Aguilar earlier on a few days ago. Um, I don't know that that really brings any value to this offense. He's not a difference maker. Definitely not. And then the other two guys were Jason Witten and Marcus Mariota. And so it's like, that doesn't that does almost nothing for me in terms of adding any value to the players on this team fantasy wise and so that's not a statement to say that I don't think Waller, Jacobs and Williams are going to be fantasy relevant next year. Of course they are. They're still really talented players. They still have really good opportunities to score points and a good share of the Raiders offense, but I just don't think anything has been truly added to make this to, to make this team significantly better on the offensive side of the football and so I don't know why we would expect it to be and that 
is much different from what I think the expectations were for the Raiders when they first came into free agency in terms of adding some significant weapons on that side of the football. And so Jason Witten, Nelson Aguilar, and Marcus Mariota is just not doing it for me from a fantasy football perspective or really from a football perspective in general. It just doesn't really do a whole lot. And maybe something changes uh, through the draft, but I also have serious doubts about that. So um, Yeah, and I I think you could have just said the Raiders are the biggest loser because they're a team that's going to have a quarterback battle between Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. Because <laughs> usually when you have a quarterback battle, you want one of the quarterbacks to be good, and I don't think either of them are. So you could have stopped the argument there, but you're very right. I, it's not a good-looking fantasy offense or offense in general. Yeah, and we've said uh, prior, like, Derek Carr has not made his receivers good for fantasy outside of a couple. Yeah, and I don't think Mar- Marcus Mariota has a track record of doing that either, no. and we saw that in Tennessee. So... Um, very, very much down on the Raiders offense. But again, that's not to say that I dislike those three primary options. It's just to say they didn't do anything to support those three options and and make them any better than they are currently. So we'll see what happens though in the draft. Maybe they'll make a good move. I I think we're going to see a a receiver for the Raiders. So then we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But, um, but anyway, I think that's all for today's episode of the fantasy football briefing. Thanks so much for listening.